fossil fans and dino lovers, welcome to the Paleo Podcast, brought to you by the Cranbrook Institute of Science and Podcast Nation. Here are your hosts, Tim and Dr. Andrew. Welcome back, everyone. Tim, how's it going today? I'm good, Andrew. How are you doing? I am excellent. I am super excited for today's episode. But first, make sure you stick around to the very end of the episode where we will be going over another question of the day asked by one of our listeners online. That's right. So today we are talking about pterosaurs, and that's spelled like pterosaurs with that silent P at the beginning. So another exciting creature that we keep finding out cool new stuff about. So a good place to start, as any, is Tim, what is a pterosaur? You know, I think the best way to describe what is a pterosaur is to talk about what it isn't. Ooh. They lived in the Mesozoic era, so with dinosaurs, and they're always seen in association with dinosaurs, but they are literally not dinosaurs at all. They're uh. just about as closely related to dinosaurs as crocodiles are, but crocodiles aren't dinosaurs, and neither are pterosaurs. Ah. There's another misconception about pterosaurs, and you may have heard them being called pterodactyls instead. Ah, mm -hmm. So pterodactyls, or, or in this case pterodactylis, is the name of one type of pterosaur. It's literally just one species of pterosaur out of the hundreds that are, that are known, and all these pterosaurs have been called pterodactylis for whatever reason. But the pterodactylus is not the name of pterosaurs. So it's kind of like calling every single dinosaur a T-Rex. Ah. Where, you know, they're not called T-Rex, they're called dinosaurs. So these are called pterosaurs, not pterodactyls. Kind of broke my brain a little bit. So just because it has sore on the end of it, it's pterosaur, doesn't mean it's a dinosaur. Right, so sore just means lizard, mm -hmm. not dinosaur, right? And, and even the lizard is... is uh, misleading kind of a stretch <laughs> yeah these pterosaurs were were a type of reptile that had developed a flight kind of like birds did only they did it a little differently in most cases very large beaks and some had teeth and some didn't uh, one thing that we're finding that they all did have though is a type of feather that's in between a classic feather and a piece of hair called pictofibers oh. so they would have been very fuzzy and not scaly well, it sounds kind of cute, actually, how you've described them. So one of the interesting things I like to follow up on with dinosaurs is we're always finding out more and more about what they looked like. So you've described a little bit to us right now about what pterosaurs looked like. It seems like on the dinosaur side of things, you know, we were talking about T-Rex and what their limbs did. You know, sometimes uh, dinosaur limbs are for movement. Sometimes they're for fighting or holding down prey. So for these pterosaurs that are not dinosaurs, do we know what they used their limbs for? Yeah. So pterosaurs uh, are very, very unique in that they use their wings, but also their legs at the same time. So if you think of a bird or an insect, for example, when it's flying, the legs are not in use, but their wings are moving. Right. And when it's walking, their wings are tucked away and they're using their legs. Mm -hmm. However, pterosaurs, whether they're flying or walking, will actually use all four of their limbs. They're two large wings on their arms and then their, their legs. So uh, they're, they're very unique in that sense that they're the only animals that use their limbs, all of them at the same time. Do we know why they did that? Is it just kind of what happened, what ended up happening to them? They had these giant wings 
uh, that they not only would fly with, but they'd use those wings for walking on the ground, kind of like walking on their palms and their back feet. But when they were flying, obviously those wings are flapping, but those feet are kind of connected to the membrane on the wings, that thin skin. Oh, yeah. And they can make micro adjustments, tiny little adjustments to help them change their direction, which way they're going. Oh, wow. That's super cool. So do we know of any specific, you know, particularly notable pterosaurs? Probably the most famous, aside from Pterodactylus right, because right. of the name, is uh, Pteranodon. It's one of the last pterosaurs, but not the last. It lived in the uh, late Cretaceous. Okay. Uh, and it is most famous for having the giant triangle-shaped crest on the back of their head. That sounds familiar. Was that in Jurassic Park by chance? It is a pretty common staple in the Jurassic Park movies. Okay. And they and Jurassic Park movies have done really cool things with their Pteranodon and really terrible things. Uh oh. So the name Pteranodon means toothless beak. Let me guess. <laughs> what do you think they did in Jurassic Park 3? I'm going to go ahead and guess. They put some teeth in there. They put a whole ton of teeth uh. in that beak. <laughs> now, uh, they did later make up for that a little bit in Jurassic World, you know, the next movie. Okay. Uh, you see a ton of pteranodons in there, and some people might notice, if you go back and watch it, they look a lot different than maybe what you're used to. As I said earlier, pteranodon had that giant triangle-shaped crest on the back of their heads but the pteranodons in Jurassic World don't. And that is actually a really nice touch. So only the males had the crest on the back of their head. Oh, and it was okay. probably used kind of like the antlers on a, on a deer, sort of, to attract mates, attract female pteranodons to them. The brighter, bigger, and more colorful crest was the more attractive one to the females. Gotcha. But if you watch those Jurassic Park movies, they say every animal in the park is female. Ah. And so every pteranodon in the movie is missing its crests, which is a really interesting you know, little thing they did. They, someone actually read that and, and uh, there you sacrificed go, yeah. iconic like portrayals, sacrificed that iconic crest for scientific accuracy. And I think that is nice and it's refreshing that they can actually do that sometimes. Yeah, there you go. There's <laughs> the benefit, I guess, of having uh, scientific experts be consulted for these movies like some of our guests have done so far. So, okay, I was reading up a bit on this and I found we've located a bunch of uh, pteranodon fossils that suggest they were often in the water. So what would a flying... Uh, creature be doing in the water. So yeah, so the cool thing about Pteranodon, in my opinion, is it is one of the most common fossils to find in particular areas. There are like, there's hundreds, maybe thousands of individual Pteranodons that have been discovered, and literally every single one of them was found in what used to be an ocean seabed. Huh. Uh, they've not been found on uh, what was land at that time. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean that they were swimming all the time. Mm -hmm. They definitely flew, but that gives us a really good look into how they behaved. And uh, the best way to describe it is they were like seabirds, like, like uh, an albatross flying all the way out to the open ocean to eat their main food source, which was fish and squid, Okay. Uh, and they're constantly eating these these uh, sea creatures. And as with anything that goes out into the middle of the ocean, 
some things tend to die a lot. Yeah, sometimes so, you don't come back. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you don't come back. So there've been, they, they die, they sink to the bottom of the ocean and then they fossilize. And there was actually one pteranodon that was found with shark teeth lodged in its neck bones. Oh, wow. It didn't, you know, it's not clear if the shark, you know, launched itself out of the air, <laughs> out of the water and right. took down the pteranodon or it caught a dead pteranodon, you know, who knows, but we do have sharks that definitely ate pteranodon. Wow, yeah. It's always interesting to see the ongoing research into how dinosaurs interacted with water. So, for instance, I know there are debates that arise on whether or not some dinosaurs, you know, walked to the water to go fishing, so to speak, by standing at the edge of it, or whether they could fully swim, or even sometimes maybe they just happened to die and float away, and that's why we find them in the water. So that's all very interesting. Uh, speaking of debates, I remember seeing some discussion recently about portrayals of uh, pterosaurs in the media. Have you heard about that? Yeah, so there was a really absolutely fantastic dinosaur documentary on Apple TV Plus okay. called Prehistoric Planet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it has, hands down, the most realistic dinosaurs and pterosaurs and other prehistoric animals that I've ever seen on TV. Oh, cool. And pterosaurs kind of stole the, stole the show from the rest of the dinosaurs. There are tons of pterosaurs in this show, and they all look great. And there were tons that I've never even heard of before, mm -hmm. uh, including one called Barbarodactylus. It's a large pterosaur kind of related to pteranodon but this one lived in morocco and what i thought was so cool about barbarodactylus is they had a giant literally almost like a deer antler on the back of their head and this thing was absolutely massive oh, wow um there have to my understanding there have been tests on whether or not that antler helped them fly and uh from what i might have seen it didn't help them at all. So oh, okay. it was literally only there to look cool, and it, yeah. and it definitely looks cool. So on the topic of what pterosaurs looked like, do we know how big they were? Yeah, some pterosaurs, uh, like Rampharynchus, you know, say that five times fast, right. <laughs> was uh, only about the size of, you know, it was maybe a foot long, foot and a half long. Uh, and, um, there were tons of pterosaurs like that. They are commonly, they commonly have needle like teeth in their mouth mm -hmm. that would have helped them catch like insects or, or small fish. Okay. Uh, but then as the, uh, the age of dinosaurs moves on, these pterosaurs got bigger and bigger and bigger. So we go into the early part of the late Cretaceous with large pterosaurs like Pteranodon, uh, that had a wingspan of about 30 feet long, which is huge. And then you get to the very end of the late Cretaceous with uh, the absolutely ginormous pterosaurs uh, group called the Asdarkids, uh, with uh, Quetzalcoatlus being the biggest of them all. And this animal was so big, it wound up being the biggest animal to ever fly on oh, wow. the history of Earth. So how big are we talking here, Tim? So their wingspan was between 33 and 36 feet long. That wow. is actually bigger than some small aircraft. Yeah. In fact, uh, the U.S. Air Force, I believe, actually used the body shape of Quetzalcoatlus to design um, drones and other flying crafts because they were so good at what they did. Why not just copy what's already been done, That's right? That's so cool, yeah. it's <laughs> awesome. Now, even though they had these giant wings uh, and they would have been able to fly for, for absolutely long distances, uh, you, you kind of imagine maybe that's all they were good at, right? How easy would it have been for an animal like Quetzalcoatlus to walk? And we have 
fossil trackways of animals like Quetzalcoatlus that shows that it didn't just walk. They're actually capable of completely galloping. Huh. And this is, I'm talking an animal that's even taller than a giraffe. Right, kind of yeah. Galloping, wow. you know, and then with these giant wings, you know, that's the stuff of nightmares. Wow. Well, that's very interesting. I definitely enjoyed learning about our uh, giant, galloping, flying, non-dinosaur friends here. So I'll be interested to see what else scientists learn about pterosaurs in the coming years. Now for our question of the day. This question was asked online by May. May asks, how far could dinosaurs fly? I thought this was perfect for this <laughs> yeah, episode. It is. So perhaps unsurprisingly, the answer seems to be, well, that depends, right? Uh, some smaller winged dinosaurs and, you know, non-dinosaurs like pterosaurs. I will include them in this answer here. Um, they maybe didn't fly too far, but scientists think that pterosaurs, for instance, could fly ridiculously far, uh, maybe up to like thousands of miles at a time in some cases. Uh, and not only that, but they were fast. So with flying speeds that could approach, sometimes I've seen up to 100 miles per hour in some cases. So it's truly crazy. Right. And even though pterosaurs are not dinosaurs, right. uh, they they were capable of flying that far. Um, but most dinosaurs during that time, the what we call the non-avian dinosaurs, or that means any dinosaur that isn't considered a bird nowadays, right, right, um, didn't necessarily fly all that much. Mm -hmm. uh, they would tend to be more like gliding, or or as some movies call it, falling with style. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there were avian dinosaurs during the time of dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the classic birds, and they would have been flying pretty much as well as any bird today we're flying. Right, right, gotcha. Well, and already it seems we've come to the end. I don't know about you, Tim, but that podcast seemed to fly by for me. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the Paleo Podcast is produced by the Cranbrook Institute of Science and Podcast Nation. Thanks for listening. 